the System Save Me podcast shares how business owners navigate their way to success through processes, systems, and routines. Your host, Jordan Gill, is behind the scenes of top business owners who travel the world while earning six and seven figures a year. There's a method to the madness. It's called systems. So let's get down to business. Welcome to episode number 102, where we're going to be talking about the simple way to plan a telesummit. I'm super excited to share this interview with y'all because this lady has been doing telesummits for over 10 years, all right? So we've got a pro in the house. Now, if this is your first time here, welcome. If you're a regular, fantastic. Either way, we'd love it if you left us a review on iTunes as we love hearing from our listeners. And if you don't want to miss out on the next episodes, be sure to subscribe or go to systemsamey.com for show notes and freebies. Now, let's get ready to hear from our guest. Hey, Milana, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you, Jordan. Yes, I'm so, so excited to have you on. You're my simplicity sister. I don't know if that's a thing, but I just coined it. So um, (laughs) I'm very excited to have you on and talking about telesummits. Uh, But first, before we dive into that, um, I would love for you to tell my audience about you and your business. Yeah, so um, I have a company uh, today, it's called Simplicity Circle, and some people have coined me as Simplicity of Queen of Simplicity, uh, which is essentially riding the wave of this idea of simplicity entrepreneurship, where you get to grow, build your business, have an impact, make a ton of money while keeping your business and your life as simple as possible. That's the goal. How do you achieve that? So that's kind of what I do. Um, you know, last year I walked away from a seven-figure company after burning out, after yeah. really not living my simplicity. And so yeah. today I'm very excited and so much happier in this new business where um, I get to decide what simplicity means for me. <laughs> Absolutely. Because as we discussed, you know, prior simplicity for you is different than for me, than for Joe Schmo, than from the postman, like everybody. So, um, so I love that. Um, I believe that it is a really personalized experience of, you know, what systems are going to work for you, what um, action items are going to work for you, all that stuff. So uh, let's dive in a little bit um, and describe um, your business or your client's business, either one. Um, before you implemented telesummits yeah so telesummit is this entire thing feels so complex to people and like we kind of jump from simplicity to telesummits but one thing that i will say is that telesummits is what have created what has created simplicity for me Mm -hmm. where i was able to i got on the map within just a couple of months in the map of my industry, um, I'm seen as the mega coach of my market, Mm -hmm. connected with everybody that that I'm still in touch with today, all the movers and shakers and leaders of the industry. Um, And most importantly, I got to build my list and I hit six figures for the first time uh, that year. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, it has allowed me to kind of relax into knowing that I can have a successful business if I am in my simplicity zone, meaning that mm. everything I do um, generates results with ease as opposed to pushing, right. grinding, because everything I do is aligned with what I do naturally. This is when people get yes. in trouble. They get away from 
their natural abilities and what comes yeah. to them naturally, they start pushing and grinding, forcing their way to the top. Yeah. And so that's what happens is they start slowing down in results. And that's actually what started happening to me last year with my old business, where no matter how much I worked, the results mm. were not growing. They, they were not growing up for me. And so the whole idea of telesummits today, it's like, um, it's been 12 years since the, since the first telesummit uh, was created. Wow. Yeah. And a lot of people have come up with their own ways and their own formulas, mm -hmm. their own systems to do a telesummit. Yeah. I love that. Except I feel like it got lost in translation. <laughs> ah, <laughs> Over the yes. years. I think people yeah, have complicated mm -hmm. the idea. And so I think that most people are scared of doing a telesummit because of uh, how complex it seems and what a time investment, money investment, and the fact that you need a team to support you, all of these things. But at the very foundational level, a telesummit is an event. It's an event where you interview a bunch of people on topics that they're experts on and you invite others to listen in. That's all the telesummit in. So for me, yeah. the big, the most simple, the biggest piece that starts the whole systematic approach to telesummits is seeing the bigger picture of it. It's an event where you interview experts on their topics and other people are listening in. Yeah, that's I love it. I cannot, I mean, simple. It's yeah. a bit where you interview folks and people get to listen in. I love that. So then, kind of, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, um, it, I will tell you that the first time I did a telesummit, I had no systems. I had nothing. Mm -hmm. I was inventing things as I went along. Yeah. And if challenges arrived, I would solve them on the spot and I would move forward, right? Mm -hmm. After the first telesummit, mm -hmm. I decided to teach it to other people. Because everybody got excited about this idea. Yeah. We found a recording from 2006 when I was teaching it in Manhattan uh, yeah. to a group of about 100 coaches, experts, speakers who wanted to do a telesummit. They got so excited. There was just so many questions about it. Yeah. Uh, but I will say that when I started teaching it and I decided to put a system together, what started happening in my mind is I started seeing all the details, all the things that you need to think about. And I got overwhelmed. Yeah. So um, sometimes having a system that is very detailed can be overwhelming. Have you ever noticed that? Oh, Have totally. That? Yeah, totally. Yeah. I can't, you know, looking at the uber minute details can really just like, it can make anybody want to not start something. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like I came up with the idea of a telesummit. And I started teaching the system to telesummits, I got overwhelmed. And I could see that if I don't simplify it for people, they're not going to want to do it. And so yep. the best way, in my opinion, and my experience to overcome that complexity uh, of anything, but specifically of telesummits, is to see the bigger picture. Yeah. An event with experts that you interview and you allow other people to listen in. These are the big strokes. Yeah. Telesummit. Everything else is details. And details are just details. I mean, you yeah. can handle you can handle details, or you can have somebody else handle them for you. Yep, exactly, a hundred percent. So, then, kind of, what finally drove to put you a process in place? So, you did your first one, and you just went and made it happen. So, then, what was it that from that first one you decided? Okay, I need to actually put a process in place. 
Yeah. Well, I realized that this is not the only telesummit I was going to do. <laughs> yeah. You're going to repeat it. So <laughs> I'm going to do it over and over again. I, mm -hmm. I ended up doing that for many years. I think I skipped one year, but I overall did them for um, six years. Wow. Um, and then I started, you know, as I started teaching them to others, I definitely knew I needed a system to teach it to others. Totally. And as I am now, 12 years later, after thousands of telesummits and hundreds of other people training, teles, you know, teaching mm -hmm. telesummits, I, I see that I absolutely must bring it back to basics because I feel like the evolution of telesummits went in a slightly different direction than I originally conceptualized it as mm. and people now see telesummits as just a way to grow their list right. so they'll approach a speaker and say hey i'd love to you yeah i'd love for you to speak but every speaker knows oh no no you don't want me to speak you don't want my expertise you just want my list yep right so, so somewhere it yeah. went off track and so as i'm creating telesummit academy for next year i'm going to be launching this I'm so excited about it because I get to teach what I originated, but in a way that captures all the mistakes and all the systems right. that I have seen people uh, fall flat on. Uh, yeah. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm really hoping that I can show people a simpler way to approach a telesummit. And, uh, you know, to give you a hint, I think that most people focus too much on the bells and whistles, on the details, and they miss yeah. The foundation. What is the theme of your telesummit? What's right. going to get a hundred or two hundred people to wake up every day and run to their Facebook page or to your right. Facebook or to the bridge line, or however you're conducting your telesummit, and listen for eight days in a row? Because right. that's what happened to me. Two hundred people, Amazing. one bridge line for eight days. People were waking up at 4 a.m. in Australia just to participate, just to listen in. And, that, and that's what you want, is you want, you want the experts and the expertise to be what draws people in. And, and I think I, I agree with you that, you know, it has gotten lost in get the biggest names you can because then, you know, they'll share it to their people and you'll get their list. And, you know, you want to be strategic and whatnot, but also, you know, and, you know, I ran a summit um, in August and my whole goal was I wanted the best content. Um, there were several people on my summit who had less than 50 people on their email list, legitimately. And it's because they were a part of other people's teams. And so they aren't seen as an expert or influencer because they aren't on the stage, they don't have books, but I know them and I know how freaking smart they are at that expertise. And so I want them to speak on that topic because I've either witnessed it, experienced it or whatever else. So I completely agree with you. Yeah. Well, and there are many ways to get big name speakers to say yes to you and to promote you and to get excited to participate. But as you were talking, Jordan, I realized that I don't think that my goal with my very first telesummit was to build my list. It was a byproduct. Mm -hmm. I treated this as a, an opportunity to create a phenomenally useful product yeah. through collaboration. That's what I saw yeah. it as. I never mm -hmm. thought, I never looked at it as a list building opportunity. It certainly built my list. It tripled my list. Yeah. I didn't go in thinking that that 
is what I want. Foolishly, naively, I didn't even think about that as my yeah. goal, right? No. Um, and it's certainly a byproduct. And the way you do it is, you know, you create a, a really useful theme for your telesummit, not a generic one, as opposed to a generic. Oh. Right. right, exactly. I totally agree. So anyway, let's dive in to, I'm super excited. Um, I'm going to be taking notes myself um, on uh, the steps that you took to create the right process for you and for your other folks that have done telesummits. Go ahead and just walk us through the steps. Um, and, uh, and really, um, for me anyway, it would be super helpful of, you know, kind of drawing from that first one and what made you change it or tweak it to become simpler than in this process, in the new process. Yeah, for sure. So um, the first time that I started to create a system for Telesummit, Mm -hmm. I used a chronological strategy. I literally just Mm -hmm. pulled out from my head, what has to happen for you? Let's say somebody wants to do a Telesummit. What must happen first? And Mm -hmm. then what happens? And after that, what must happen next? Mm. And I walked myself through all these steps and I saw a giant list of stuff to do. (laughs) So then I had to say, okay, well, there's some things, some of these things have to happen before the telesummit. Some of these things have to happen during the telesummit. And a few things have to happen after the telesummit. So I started splitting it that way. Yeah to create the system. And then I started seeing that there is chronological order. So there's like the, you know, a 90 day timeline for a telesummit. You have to have six weeks um, of planning it and thinking and inviting people. Then you have to have a few weeks to promote it, maybe three to four weeks uh, to, to really get people excited. So then I started thinking what, materials what marketing materials do i need a marketing collateral yes that's when i started developing a separate system of emails sales pages opt-in pages follow-up emails and then i looked at what happens during a telesummit oh daily reminders daily updates with notes and takeaways Uh, and then there was a separate system for communicating with speakers reminders to mail reminders to come to the to their session and speak yeah right so that's pretty much how the system came together and it was still a little bit of overwhelming however i think when you i don't know if you use mind maps um i I use mind to create mind maps right yeah Uh, it starts all coming together Mm -hmm. and so what i saw is that there's really only five pillars of a successful telesummit. That is the system that I teach now. That yeah. is the system that Telesummit Academy is gonna be based on. So I'm gonna give you those five pillars just so you could start okay. seeing what that looks like. So the first one is your topic. You have to know why people would come to your summit, what will attract speakers. So the topic, or you might call it your theme, yeah. is the first thing that you have to uh, put together. You cannot move forward with anything else until your topic is in place, right? Yeah, so then is there, you know, rules or or general tips around, okay, how 
general should your topic or theme be? How specific should it be? Or can any topic work? You just have to choose one. <laughs> well, no, I think that that's where uh, a lot of people fail uh, in their summits. Yeah. I would say that the way that I would recommend that you approach your topic is it should have a, a, a hook that attracts very particular kind of people. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, many telesummits are inspiration-based, like the successful uh -huh. woman, the conscious entrepreneur. Right. Mm -hmm. The ritual summit. And it's filled with interviews, stories, and big-name people, maybe. You right. Know? But they are just too broad and too vague. Mm -hmm. There's too much fluff, right? Right. The telesummit topic should give you room to include tangible trainings in, mm -hmm. in the topic, right? right. Uh, I have a friend who does parenting, parent coaching. She wants to do a parenting telesummit. And I'm telling her that that's too broad. Yeah, that is. Yeah, it'd be really too broad. broad because who are you going to attract? Are you going to attract parenting experts or moms or dads or teachers, educators? Mm -hmm. uh, you want to think about the kind of person and the, the group that you're going to attract. It has to be a homogenous, like-minded group of people. Right. When I did the coaching telesummit, it was an industry telesummit, which by the way is the easiest way to create a successful telesummit is to do it as an industry. Mm -hmm. The telesummit called that music as a business. Well, guess who it attracts? It attracts band managers, uh, wannabe music band um, you know, people who want to start a, a music band, um, agents, uh, producers, like it's specific industry. There's mm. so much that you can learn and teach and, and build in that topic, right? Parenting is not an industry, right? Right. Mm. So that's a big one. A publishing summit. Well, that's an industry because a book publishing right. summit could be uh, attracting editors, agents, book author wannabes, uh, book publishers, cover designers, yeah. right? So now we have mm -hmm. all these, like, that's the theme. And then you have to come up with a name. And a name is like a, a thing that kind of gets you excited. And it, it's, yeah. it's, it's not easy to come up with a name. But hey, I called mine Coaching Telesummit. Right. Took the name of the industry and I added the word Telesummit. Yeah. A little bit too broad for today, but yeah. that's the idea, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. Would I ever have a simplicity telesummit? No. Yeah. Nobody knows what the heck simplicity means. Right. <laughs> right? So right. even though it's aligned with my brand, people don't know. I like who comes to a simplicity telesummit? Who right. am I bringing together? Right? Right. Maybe minimalism telesummit would mm. be a better that's true. I can picture the kind of person who would be attracted to that or a certain lifestyle. Agree. Right? Yeah, it's a lifestyle. So does yeah. that give you an idea of how to choose a topic or a theme? Yeah, no, that's super helpful. Very, very helpful for sure. Yeah. All right, what's the next pillar? And so after the first one, after you get your topic right, the second one is now you have to come up with a content. Notice that I didn't say go out and get speakers. Mm -hmm first is because most people will tend to say okay I want to do a uh, book publishing telesummit so I'm going to invite everybody who uh, speak on speaks on something that's related to book publishing 
Mm. Now that can be very overwhelming for you and for your audience. It can also end up in a lot of overlap in what people are talking about. It'll be like this giant conference that right. people will leave without any, any outcome, like a big mush in their brain. Right. So, and it's not going to be as valuable and it's going to be much more difficult to promote. Yeah. The way that I recommend that you approach speakers is you first decide what topics you want to cover so maybe you want somebody to talk about specifically how to come up, um, how to write a book manuscript. Mm, yeah. And maybe then you want to talk about how to get a, uh, get, get a publisher. And then you want to talk about how to get somebody to uh, a big name forward writer. Mm right? Like how to get yeah. something forward to your book. Like that's a very specific topic, right? It is. Yeah. But, hey, it, it can be a very important thing for a new book author. Totally. Uh, maybe um, I have a client who teaches people how to uh, do a book, a public book reading as a way of promoting their book. Oh, cool. Apparently it's a big thing in Europe, especially yeah. in Germany. She's German. I've never heard of it here, but apparently that exists as well. But yeah. how cool would it be right to bring in a speaker to talk specifically about how to use public book readings to promote your book? Yeah. It's a training that's valuable, that's specific, that's tangible. It's not about how to become a best-selling author, which by the way is a great topic, but it's so big Yeah. that you cannot teach that in 60 minutes or 30 minutes, right? No. So content before speakers. Come up with the topics that you want to cover, then match them up to the speakers you want to invite. And then speakers. That's yeah. the third one, third yeah. pillar. You need to have speakers. Um, actually, no, that's not a third speaker. That's content is the, the pillar that includes speakers. Includes speakers. It includes, yeah. yes. You can't approach speakers until you... Uh, come up with content. The third pillar is actually promotion. Mm. So you need to know what's going to happen as far as driving people to your summit. Ideally, you want all speakers to promote. Right. That doesn't happen. No. Mm -mm. No. <laughs> so you also want to have other ways to promote your event. You could use Facebook ads. You could use publicity like press releases. Um, you could use your own uh, network and talk to people personally and ask them to spread the word. But I will say that the easiest way to promote is still through your speakers. Yeah. So everything you do as a Telesummit host, your goal is to get them excited about spreading the word. And right. the key to get them excited is to have them think about what's in it for them. Yeah. Is if you promote and everyone else promotes, guess what? That's how you get massive visibility. Yeah. But if you say, oh, I don't know if I want to promote it. Yeah, I don't promote Telesummits to my list. And everybody else says the same thing. That what's the point of this collaboration? Right. So you want people to see it as a collaboration. Hmm. It is not you creating something and simply bringing them in. No, it's a collaboration. Right. Yeah. So... I like that. Get them excited to support you and each other. And the right theme is going to get them excited. That's why 
right. you know, up with a good topic uh, where they feel like they're part of something amazing, a movement, a mission, um, something bigger, something beyond just an interview series, right? Right, exactly. So promotion is the next pillar. The fourth pillar is your platform. So 10 Mm. years ago, a platform was as simple as picking up a phone, dialing into a bridge line, right? Right. That was 2005. We're now in 2017. There is Facebook, there's Twitter, um, there's Zoom, there's webinar platforms. There's so many ways that you could do this. There's Be Live, right? That runs your Facebook lives. So you choose the platform that fits your theme, your target market, and your personality Mm. and your resources. You know, if you're terrified of doing video by yourself, then maybe that's not the best format, right? So platform is a matter of a decision and um, the resources that you have. Mm available to you the last one is monetization and it's the most exciting one and there's so many ways to monetize your summit yeah um one thing i'll say is that a lot of people think that they're going to make money on the on upselling the recordings right let me burst your bubble because that money is actually to cover your expenses yep it is not to make you money it's like selling a book for ten dollars it is not going to make mm-hmm. you profits, but it's going to get you out there, right? Right. So selling the recordings of Utah Summit um, is nice, but you know what? This is the statistics that I never actually looked at. I'd be curious how many people actually buy recordings. I know. I, I think it's people say I think three percent. I want to say 3%, is the percent. That is all. Yeah, I think that is. Which you is, will be shocked to know how many people bought my recordings. Yeah. I, I sold my um, Telesummit for $97 mm-hmm. just to access the bridge line. And then if you wanted recordings on CDs, you had to pay $200. Wow. And if you wanted recordings on CDs plus transcripts, you had to pay $500. Wow. And the highest number of people, the, the highest number of sales happened at that highest level. People wanted recordings transcripts do you know why because they saw this entire thing as a valuable training as a valuable program they wanted to listen to it over and over again i was able to monetize those cds jordan for years oh i bet my last box of cds uh three months ago from 2007 (laughs) oh my gosh that is amazing i know i know and and that's why i thought why are people giving away their telesummits for free? Oh, because there's no value to them. Right. <laughs> because yeah. there's no valuable content that they can learn from. My telesummits were so content rich, people took notes while listening. These were not just inspirational interviews, which right. is a different kind of a right. So right. yeah. Mm, that's interesting. So you you so $97 was to even get access to the bridge line. Yeah. You know? Yeah, if you wanted to get wow look at never music as a business i don't know if they are actually selling access to it or not but if mm-hmm. i wanted to start a music band and i wanted to understand how this business works wouldn't i be willing to pay a hundred bucks just to get into that environment of course true. i would i might have even paid five hundred dollars right 
What can you do with your summit theme and your topics to allow people to see it as highly valuable as a product Mm -hmm. or training, as something they want to get their hands on, not just something. I I think that a lot of people actually confuse summits with podcasts because the podcast is a show. Right. You know, I can talk about my two children, my beautiful dogs. that I write music yeah. uh, like I can talk about different things and stories and inspiration that's a podcast that's a show it's like right. it's more for entertainment a summit should be entertaining for example I did panel discussions those were very well, entertaining yeah panels people debated a little bit and pooped on each other with their opinions yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it but it was entertaining but it was also extremely educational mm. Right. I think that if you can get there, your telesummit will be much more successful. Mm. So that monetization is, um, you know, short-term monetizing, like upselling the recordings. Right. Um, maybe even charging on the front end. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, and then long-term monetization. Maybe you uh, get people into your program, your training, your membership site. Maybe people want to stay in that community, right? Mm-hmm. I love that. So there are many ways. And it all hinges upon the right theme, the right topic for your um, summit at the foundational level. So all the bells and whistles will not help you monetize, right? Yeah, I totally, totally agree. That was super powerful. Yeah, because there are so many summits out there. If yours doesn't stand out, if it's just another inspirational conference conducted online, then it's going to fall flat. Yep. Totally, totally agree. So that's my system. Five well, pillars. Yeah, that was, again, simple, <laughs> which is amazing. Yes. And I love There's it. A lot of little details in there, right? Right. Yeah, a lot of nuances. So when you keep those big ones in mind, oh yeah, you're going to know what you need to do at any given time. Right, exactly, which is super great. So we're going to get into the last few questions, and I'm excited to hear your answers to them. Uh, yeah. What was your best financial investment in business? Um, my best financial investment uh, was a coach mm-hmm. who understood the importance of not pushing and forcing your way to success, but aligning your business with um, your natural abilities, things that you do naturally, things that you do when left to your own devices, because that's where you also get your best results. So um, that is the description of simplicity for me. And I needed to find a coach who understood that because Mm -hmm. a lot of times you'll find a coach who will say, if you do 30 calls a day, you can fill your practice with clients. And I'd be like, no, day I will die I will go crazy I will lose my mind I'd rather go get a job right some people some people will push you to do that some some coaches some uh, mentors and gurus will say you do what you need to do to get there yeah I I was lucky to find a coach who understood that that I want to do things the way that make my heart makes my heart sing every day yeah, oh, I love that. So then what was your <laughs> worst financial investment going from high to low? Yeah, so my worst financial investment was actually uh, about five, six years ago. And I, I wanted to outsource marketing or delegate marketing. Mm. 
it just became too much, even though I teach marketing and I do a lot of marketing myself, something just wasn't working for me. And I thought, I just need a marketing person to do my marketing for me, to okay. create content, submit it, um, right. publicize me everywhere. And so I, I discovered somebody who um, said, I will be a phenomenal marketer for you. He wrote a really great sales letter, which was essentially uh, a persuasion essay to, for me to hire him. And I ended up hiring him at $3,000 a month, which mm -hmm. was a lot of money, yeah. but I imagined that I would get some results. Right. What he ended up doing was spending the next seven months testing and analyzing data that came through my marketing efforts and never ever focused on generating revenue. And looking back now, what I believe happened was that he was a marketing consultant mm. who operated from a mindset of a big corporate budget. He right. believed that I can just put in $20,000 into testing and analyzing right. and not getting results. So for seven months, I literally got no results. I was waiting and frustration yeah. and um, got nowhere. So that was my biggest, I guess it's not that much money that I lost, right? $21,000, seven months. It's I'm glad I let him go when I did. Right. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. Like that's definitely good. No, but I mean, in small business, it's uh, you're pivoting a lot and, you know, and it's just, you know, doing marketing for corporations is very different than doing marketing for small businesses. Um, yeah. I like how you said that pivoting a lot. I do that a lot. Yeah. There's one thing that I consistently do. This is why systems are not easy for me because mm. I usually don't do anything twice. I just do it once and I move on to something uh. else. <laughs> right? Right. So yeah. I think that that's what makes systems challenging. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. I'm going to create a, like I just did a launch uh, of my simplicity program and my mm -hmm. virtual assistant developed this beautiful campaign in Infusionsoft. She designed yeah. it and built it and said, oh, this is awesome. We can reuse it now every time. When is the next time you're launching? And I said, uh, never. <laughs> Breaks her little heart. <laughs> I'm, I'm moving on to something else. But right. you know what? That is the consistent thing for me is that I keep creating. Right. And so in order for me to have systems and still keep creating, yeah. I came up with um, a way to consolidate everything. So um, sometime next year, I'm not only am I launching Telesummit Academy, I'm also launching Simplicity Business Academy, where all the trainings that I create, that I've created in the last few years and will continue to create, can just go there. It just, it's just going to live there. I'm not going to wonder and worry about creating something new and where will it go and how will I leverage it. Yeah. It'll just into one place so create a system for lack of systems that's what I'm doing <laughs> <laughs> it is a system for you to be able to just create and then put it in that one place it's a system <laughs> so I love it yeah so I am super excited for people to check you out where can people find you online give website social media wherever it is you want people to come and check you out 
Yeah. So um, if you are interested in the whole movement of simplicity entrepreneurship, I would definitely invite you to go to simplicitycircle.com, which is the name of my company. Uh, there is, uh, uh, you know, you'll get into my free Facebook community. There's a lot of resources specifically to how to simplify your business and how to build a simplicity into the DNA of your business. So it becomes really simple for you to run. If you're specifically interested in telesummits, uh, I would say still go to simplicitycircle.com and uh, opt in on that page. And I will be announcing the opening, the grand opening of Telesummit Academy um, within a, a you know, very short period of time as I'm building it right now. I have so many, um, I've done so many telesummits and I've taught so many other people to do telesummits that for me, it's a matter of really just to teach it. And that's what I'll be doing in Telesummit Academy. Right. I love it. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much, Milana, for coming on and talking about telesummits, also talking about simplicity. Um, I think you gave more than one good nugget um, around that. Uh, so thank you for taking the time. Very welcome. Thanks for having me, Jordan. Thanks for listening to System Save Me. If you want to get the links to anything we talked about, go to systemsaveme.com. Have a wonderful week and I'll see you on the next episode.